Coming up in this episode, ISIS has been busy in North Africa. And we're in North Africa this week on the streets of Marrakesh in Morocco to take a look at a very serious problem. One of the uh, sad uh, uh, findings we have come up with is that our prisons in Europe in general are hotbeds for radicalization. Prisons? Prisons. Christian Bartolin is deputy head of the counterterrorism division at the Council of Europe. And he's noticed there is a definite connection between today's terrorists and gangs in Europe. Many of them that have connections to right here in North Africa. DICE has been very, very good at that in their, uh, let's say, online uh, publications and online uh, radicalization efforts have really called on people who have a criminal background. We are very concerned about that in the Council of Europe. We'll examine the threats and the plans to deal with them. That's coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Target USA is brought to you by TrueCar. When you're looking to buy a car, you want to make sure you're getting real pricing on actual inventory. Unfortunately, a lot of times, this isn't the case. People configure cars online only later to find out they're not available. With TrueCar, you get real pricing on actual inventory. This is not pricing offered by TrueCar, but pricing from an actual dealer. And not just any dealer, but a TrueCar certified dealer. This is a carefully curated network of dealers committed to transparency and offering you a competitive marketplace. And TrueCar shows their customers all of their available incentives before they arrive at the dealership. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. And TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the same car you're looking for. Now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. More than 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. There are more than 13,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers nationwide. So, when you're ready to buy, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Target USA is doing something a little different. We're on location for our podcast, so you're going to hear some sounds native to this environment. Street sounds in this case. We're in Marrakesh, Morocco, not far from Manara Airport, talking about terrorism with one of Europe's top counterterrorism officials, Christian Bartolin deputy head of the counterterrorism division at the Council of Europe. Morocco has been in the news a lot lately for the strong and swift measures it's taken to crack down on terrorism that appears to be growing in the region. Bartolin came here to attend the Marrakesh Security Forum, which is designed to deal with the problem. 
give me an overview of your organization and how ter- counterterrorism fits into it. Unfortunately, terrorism has been part of, let's say, Europe's agenda for a very long time. And the Council of Europe was created immediately after the war. It is an intergovernmental organization with currently 47 member states. It is led by a committee of ministers where the ministers of foreign affairs are represented by their diplomats. And once a year they meet uh, in person to discuss uh, uh, political issues um, regarding in particular human rights, democracy and promoting the rule of law in in all European states. Uh, Sadly, uh, terrorism has been a long time with Europe. And uh, the Council of Europe has been active in the field since the 1970s. Our first convention on suppression of terrorism is from 1977. At that time, the threat came from, in particular, left and right-wing organizations in Europe, like the uh, Rode Armee Fraktion and uh, uh, the Brigade Rossi in Italy. Uh, uh, But, of course, today, like in most places in the West, the main threat today comes from jihadist terrorism. So tell me, Christian, about your role as deputy head of counterterrorism. What is it that you do? What, is it, what are your objectives? My objectives are uh, to uh, assist uh, our uh, senior experts committee, which is called Codex Terre, with a French acronym for Committee d'Experts sur le Terrorisme. Um, it is a steering committee that advises the Committee of Ministers directly about policy initiatives in the field of counterterrorism. Uh, I provide the secretariat for that uh, group together with my colleagues. Uh, and uh, in, a, in addition to that, or a large part of that work is actually drafting new legal initiatives, uh, such as conventions or recommendations, guidelines for member states. We do that in close cooperation with both academic experts and with the experts from the various uh, law enforcement and security services of the member states in order to have, uh, let's say, as, as broad and as, uh, as good a background for, for, the, for the text that we produce. The text then in the end will be adopted by the Committee of Ministers and they will then be uh, uh, they will then be uh, used I- I- in the member states. Uh, the last big text we did, I would say, was an additional protocol to our Convention on Prevention of Terrorism. That additional protocol uh, targets in particular activities of foreign terrorist fighters, that is, persons who travel abroad for the purpose of committing a terrorist offence uh, or taking training uh, or providing training for, inter- for terrorism uh, to others. Um, Christian, how would you describe the threats today, the terrorism threat? Um, wh- what do you see as the main threats uh, uh, and, 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 and where, where are they coming from? The main threats, uh, globally speaking, I would say, is, uh, is jihadist terrorism these days. If you look at it from a particular European point of view, the jihadist terrorism is still number one, but we have an increase in also extreme right-wing terrorism. It's not so obvious to be seen uh, on an everyday basis, and that is also partly to do with the fact that it's easier uh, for security services in Europe to penetrate uh, European right-wing organizations than it is to penetrate the jihadist organizations, but it works. Uh, But jihadist uh, terrorism is the biggest threat. 
it is not that people come from other parts of the world to make terrorism in Europe. It is rather persons who are already European citizens or have lived in Europe for a long time, may have a, hold a dual citizenship, who uh, either commit the attacks in Europe or plan to commit them in Europe, not leaving the continent, or who are leaving Europe to go, for instance, to Syria or Iraq to fight with Daesh there and then return home uh, to Europe uh, for the purpose of committing a terrorist uh, attack. How would you describe the environment uh, in, in Europe, uh, say, in the last, since November of 2015, or even earlier in 2015 with the Shirley Hebdo situation? And how would you describe the environment now, uh, the terrorist environment? The terrorist environment in Europe is, is, is I think, a lot under pressure. Uh, actually, before the Charlie Hebdo, I think it was much easier for them to, uh, to operate. Uh, the threat was there, the security services took it seriously, but there had not been real major attacks for a long time since the London and, and the Madrid bombings. So uh, the, uh, it was easier for them to fly under the radar. After the attacks, um, in, uh, the two attacks in Paris, the attack in Copenhagen, the attacks in, in, uh, in, in Germany, uh, the Nice attack in, at the south of France, this has, this has definitely changed. And I would say that uh, the fact that we are now seeing more and more lone wolf attacks mm -hmm. is a direct consequence of that. It has become incredibly difficult to operate in a sales structure in Europe. One of the things that I heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, talking to a couple of my sources, is that one of the things that you're seeing in Europe now, and perhaps even beyond, is you have the terrorist organizations operating like gangs. Um, they, 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 they seem to employ and look for people who are a part of the fabric of the communities as opposed to importing people to... Uh, sort of uh, run command and control uh, operations. Are you seeing that? What are you saying? Uh, I would start saying there that uh, one of the uh, sad uh, uh, findings we have come up with is that our prisons in Europe in general are hotbeds for radicalization. Prisons? Prisons. Uh -huh. uh, so this is, uh, this, is some, uh, this is a place where many, I would say, petty criminals end up being radicalized and uh, they already are perhaps ready to use violence, but, you know, like street talks, not in a, in a political cause. But then when they get, uh, they see the light, they get uh, radicalized, they, they want to join, they see that perhaps they, they have a more of a... Uh, more important, uh, their life gets some kind of, 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 of aim, uh, and then they, they, they join these organizations. Daesh has been very, very good at that, and we have also seen the Daesh in their, uh, let's say, online uh, publications and online uh, radicalization efforts have really called on people who have a criminal background. We are very concerned about that in the Council of Europe, and this September we are going to host in, uh, in Spain um, a conference uh, which uh, will look into the links between organized crime and terrorism. Uh, because, uh, in f as a matter of fact, um, organizations like Daesh, but not, they are not the only ones, uh, mainly finance themselves through organized crime. You talked a moment ago about the, the, the people that are going abroad perhaps to fight you know, in Iraq or Syria, and then trying to return home. Uh, and I've been told as well that it's really difficult to track these people. Um, 
one because of problems with people, you know, the personnel to do it. How difficult is it to track these folks? These people are these people are really difficult to track. Uh, I would say that. But uh, one of the major problems has also been uh, whether you whether states are able to exchange uh, information about these persons or suspected travelers uh, fast enough to be able to apprehend them. Uh, and that is indeed, I would say. Um, uh, also something that was a concern to us when we drafted this uh, or negotiated this convention on uh, uh, that I mentioned before, this additional protocol to the prevention of uh, terrorism convention that we have. Uh, we targeted in particular the activities of foreign terrorist fighters and we put in place also, and this has been working now since the 1st of December, a 24-7 network for exchange of information between uh, the Council of Europe member states uh, on uh, persons that are suspected of being foreign terrorist fighters, either when they are traveling out of Europe or returning. What is your team prepared or preparing to do now, looking at, realizing that terrorist and terrorism evolves, they never stay the same? How is your team approaching that reality? <laughs> We are trying also to follow from our member states uh, the information they provide us with what is happening, what are the latest trends, if I put it like that, in terrorism. And we try to see and analyze also with uh, the help of academic experts uh, what would be, if there are, first of all, if there are any legal loopholes that need to be dealt with in, uh, when there is a new trend coming up. Uh, in, in terrorism, such as was the case of traveling abroad for, for, for as a foreign terrorist fighter, that had not really been something we had seen uh, in, in, on such a scale before. Mm -hmm. So that was something where we had to come up with a new legal text on this. Uh, and, and there we, we, we of course uh, also implemented the UN Security Council 2178 from 2014 on foreign terrorist fighters. Uh, and we work very closely with the UN on these issues as well as with the OSCE and the European Union. But uh, we try to get as much as, it, to come back to what you said, we asked me, I, we, we try to get as much factual information that we can and on the basis of that we try to, dis, uh, to devise uh, policies and assist member states formulating policies that actually uh, fit to the threat that they, are, that they are facing. How big is your team and how busy are you? We are currently four people. I hope that there will be more. Uh, we are very busy, actually. On the in 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 terms of what we are we are doing is that we're constantly trying to to follow what is developing on the terrorism front. Where do we have a problem? What will be the next big thing? Mm. And as I said, right now it is jihadist terrorism. I personally would assume that uh, that extreme right wing terrorism will be on the rise not least because of the migrant crisis that Europe has seen. It has certainly sparked uh, some very unpleasant uh, developments, I would say, on the, on the extreme right wing. And I would not be surprised if we would see an increase in, in, in attacks on foreigners. Uh, on the basis of, uh, or, or even on governments uh, that uh, are, are considered to be uh, you know, uh, supportive of, of, of uh, immigration. Uh, but that said, uh, for the time being, it is certainly the jihadist terrorism. I don't know, and, and my main concern in that regard, our main concern is that it seems to be younger and younger people who get attracted. They are, of course, also easier to manipulate. 
but it is really a concern when teenagers are, are joining terrorist groups. Pardon me if I put you on the spot here with this question, but um, I, I have a feeling you may have an answer for it because you've given clearly a lot of thought and uh, having the kind of backing that you have from all the member states uh, to the issue of what to do about these younger people. Is there a uniform approach yet? Uh, no, there is no uniform approach. We're actually working on it, right? Uh, we will be meeting uh, next month. Uh, I have a drafting committee that I am secretary to, uh, which is preparing a new recommendation on terrorist acting alone. That will in particular deal with the issues of prevention mm -hmm. and uh, what to do with returning foreign terrorist fighters. When it comes to the young people, there's no, some of them may have committed very serious crimes and that needs to be looked into, but others may also simply have been totally traumatized by what they have seen and participated in uh, abroad. And there you need also to provide some kind of exit program for yeah. these people. Now when you say young, define young. I mean between 15 and uh, 25. And you know what's interesting is you see videos now from Daesh and you see kids as young as five and one thing that I discovered through a source recently was that they actually have developed an application um, that they are trying to use to attract uh, young people to get into that I their can, way of I, thinking I, I young heard, I've heard the same I can confirm that uh, at least uh, it is extremely worrying uh, many of the very small children that we see on the Daesh videos are, I think, from the region uh, or they are from families that have joined Daesh and have small children that they have brought along. They have certainly not come on their own. But for me, it's a huge question. What do we do with someone who at the age of five or six has already committed a murder? How can you make a... How can you put that person back on track? I mean, there's no, no discussion at all about penal uh, issues here. It's simply a question, what do you do with someone who has been forced to, uh, because that's what I would call it, uh, participate in, in, in such, uh, such an outrage? How do you put that person back on track and, and give these children a normal life? That is something that we definitely must give more thought to. How would you describe your relations and your work with the U.S. and the U.S. counterterrorism efforts? The U.S. is uh, is an observer state for the Council of Europe, so we. So, are, could you explain what that means? Yeah, that means that basically they participate in all our activities, or they can participate if they choose to do so in all of our activities, but they cannot vote. That is sort of the what that means. But they participate; otherwise, they can contribute to discussions, and they do. Uh, the other thing is that we have uh, uh, something called the, the Global Counterterrorism Forum, in which the Council of Europe is also active, together with the EU, the US, uh, and all powerful states. It functions actually like a kind of G20 for, for counterterrorism, mm -hmm. and there we are working closely with the Americans. We have excellent cooperation with the US authorities. That was Christian Bartolin, Deputy Head of the Counterterrorism Division at the Council of Europe. On location in Marrakesh, Morocco, thank you for putting up with the street sounds and the noise in the background, but it's a story that had to be done 
from there. The terrorism problem in North Africa seems to be growing, but the efforts inside Morocco seem to be growing as well. And they seem to have the upper hand at this point. We'll keep a close eye on the situation because Morocco is a friend to the U.S. and a gateway country to Europe. Russia's aggressive anti-U.S. rhetoric takes aim at the U.S. military. The proliferation of bases, the expansion of uh, uh, military presence is detrimental to the war on terror. And if we take 2001 as the starting point of the war on terror, well, we have more terrorists, so the war obviously has been a fiasco. That's coming up in our next episode. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. This is J.J. again. Help my podcast stay free to download with minimal ads. You can do it by taking a short survey. Responses will help align the appropriate advertisers to my audience. The survey is short and completely anonymous. It takes no more than five minutes. There are two easy ways to do this survey. One, go to www.podcastone.com slash my survey or go to www.podcastone.com and click the survey banner. If you filled out a survey in the past, thank you, but we still need you to do it again. You do all of us at Target USA and Podcast One a huge favor by filling it out. Thank you for supporting the program and taking time to complete the survey.